Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the U Podcast. This has become a great way for Insurica to share our thoughts and our ideas about uh, the Insurica community. And uh, when we say community, we're talking about our clients, our colleagues, and of course, our carrier partners. I'm your host today, Andy Payton, and I'm pleased to say that my good friend and colleague Taylor Carraway is joining me in the co-host chair today. And our guest that we'll bring in in just a little bit is Jeremy Heron from our Bakersfield office. He works with a, a number of our great producers out there. He also produces his own book of business. We thought it'd be great to have him share with us kind of how Bakersfield lives out the Insurica value proposition. So uh, we'll bring him here in a minute, but uh, just want to again, tell everybody, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for listening. And, you know, I don't do this, uh, with, with Taylor all that much. So I thought I'd take an opportunity to say, Taylor, thanks for joining me as a co-host today. Yeah. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. I am happy to be here. Uh, feel so foreign, like in this studio environment. It I know. Feels awesome. The, the studio, just for, for our listeners, uh, if you can visualize this, uh, my office and Taylor's office, uh, are next to each other, except the studios right in between. So, <laughs> you know, we have the studio is the the space be- between us. So Taylor and I work together on a regular basis, and yeah, we uh, we try to to do marketing in a in a great way. But Taylor also, um, you know, officially is is in in a position to help um, producers all across Insurica, you know, with resources, with some training, with some strategy. Uh, talk a little bit about that, Taylor, before we bring Jeremy in. Um, yeah, as a lot of you know, I kind of work on projects that involve innovation, technology, sales development, sales training, and marketing. And we've found that a lot of these projects, you know, they don't just sit in one bucket, right? They sit in these middle spaces that require um, input and contribution from a variety of different people. And I really like working on those projects that sort of, I don't know, they seem so nebulous at first, but... As you get when it starts to line. come together, you, you really start to think, you know, my goodness, this is uh, this is the way we should be doing things, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And but you're right. Uh, of course, you have to have uh, the production assets to go out there and, and make the connections and and uh, you know drum up some business. But you know, our innovation and data team, our marketing team, our, our leadership, our BDC, all those pieces tend to work together in support of a of a strategy. So yeah, for sure. Great to have you in the co-host chair, Taylor. Thank you. Um, you'll you'll bring some good insight to that, and and uh, so anyway, what uh, without further ado, let's bring in um, our, our good man Jeremy Heron. He's in our Bakersfield office. He's been with Insurance about four years, but he's been insurance longer than that. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Jeremy. How are you guys doing? Thank you guys for having me today. I appreciate it. Great. It's uh, it feels a little bit like we're you know the the radio station of the past bringing in a caller. Hello, yeah, caller. It feels like I'm talking to a celebrity. <laughs> no, you're, this technology allows us to bring in uh, folks from all over the platform. So, Jeremy, it's great to have you coming in from Bakersfield. It's two hours earlier out there than it is here. So, thanks for getting up early <laughs> with us. Nine o'clock is not early, but okay. Okay. Well, don't get, for... me, don't get me in trouble, Andy, with my boss. Don't get me in trouble with my boss. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pretend it's 6 a.m. and this is the first thing we've done today. So, Jeremy, tell go. us a little bit before we launch into, you know, what we're doing in Bakersfield, how you're helping our, our uh, producers out there, what you're doing uh, to help build best-in-class best businesses. Tell us just a little bit about your insurance journey. Where did you start, uh, th- those kind of things? 
Sure. Um, so like everybody else that got into insurance, uh, that's what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. I went and got a business degree with a, uh, with a, I guess, specification on communication and marketing and then hated what I was doing and luckily got hired by our uh, state fund, California's state compensation insurance fund. I adjusted there for, I don't know, seven or eight years, did a smattering of other jobs. And then the last job I held there was what they call a claims liaison. So I was to go between, between the carrier, uh, clients, agents, brokers, and really all I handled was problems. And it, it really brought to light for me what my schooling taught me. And that was being able to listen to people and then being able to communicate, um, on a proper level. I left there and thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to be an agent. This is going to be great. I'm going to make so much money. I have so many contacts. Uh, after about three and a half, four years, I realized I couldn't stand being an agent. It was, uh, <laughs> it was not letting me do um, what I felt I was best at. I knew comp really, really, really well. Um, I knew enough on the safety and loss control side where I could be beneficial, dealt with enough um, business owners that I kind of knew the gamut, especially here uh, in the Kern County in, Cal in California. Uh, it is very diverse. We have oil. We have ag. Um, it, it is an interesting cross-sex section and not what people would expect from California. Um, and so basically had a conversation with our president, Michael Moore, um, and we brought me on. We laugh at my title all the time. It's strategic resource services manager. I made it wow. up and I still complain about it. I know sounds very important. So um, we're honored to have you with us, Jeremy. It is not. The, the idea, I think, behind it was great, but the actual title is horrific. So the idea is, is that we want to have these services um, in Bakersfield and all of the offices in California that we deal with that are strategic, that they're just not a laundry list of services that we put out, but they're actual services that are beneficial to our clients because we could have the best ideas, but if they don't help our clients out at all or aren't beneficial, then they're, they're, they're really no good. They're the worst ideas on the yeah. planet. So we can make fun of my title all we want, but that is, at least the idea behind it is good. I meant well. No, the, the idea is great because, you know, uh, as somebody that's hosted a number of these podcasts now, and Taylor is somebody that works daily with our uh, sales development team, producers all across the platform. I, I really hear what you're saying. And to me, I interpret that as uh, your calling is to help businesses achieve best-in-class status. And uh, that is different, case to case. It, it, it means uh, bringing expertise and uh, you know probably some services that address a customer's or a prospect's specific needs. So uh, uh, would you agree that, you know, best in class is, is a way to describe uh, the goal for, for what we're trying to do with our customers? Hands down, the, I think best in class really encapsulates the idea because um, that idea just isn't about insurance. And I feel like that is where we as Insurica try to differentiate ourselves. Uh, we just don't care about insurance. Don't get me wrong. We, we are insurance agents. Um, but we believe in a business being best in class and not just from an insurance standpoint, but from every area that they can. And I know that that is our goal to basically help them get to that point. You know, Taylor has, uh, I, I've heard him talk about this exact topic in a lot of ways. And I just wonder if we could ask Taylor to, you know, kind of give us his take on where we should start with our customers and then get your response to that, Jeremy. Yeah, uh, I think the idea that we throw around quite often is that instead of starting with insurance, we start with risk. 
And at its most basic level, insurance is the transfer of risk in lieu of premium. And if you can transfer less risk, guess what? You pay less premium, right? And so right. when we tie that directly <laughs> right. back to the cost of an insurance program, we see the benefit of being best in class in the sense that these companies are able to squeeze the risk. They're able to mitigate, transfer, um, and contractually transfer that risk before they ever go to buy insurance. And then the insurance process is a whole lot more streamlined. They have a whole lot more control over the process. And then we're able to sell their story to underwriters to get preferred pricing. Yeah. Jeremy, you've been on that uh, that side of the equation as well. Talk a little bit about why that's important. You know, what's really funny is I have, but until I came to Insurica, I don't think I ever realized how important the quote-unquote story is. Um, at a carrier, you really want to know what you're underwriting, what your true risk is. I worked at two other agencies, and I really thought that my only goal was to write insurance. I didn't understand until I got to Insurica and was mentored really well that really our goal is to, one, have help businesses be best in class, but in turn, while doing that, we go back to underwriters and tell them the whole story. It, for example, I'm dealing with a, uh, a client right now that I think we're going to prospect. I think we're going to get a BOR on, and they have a $67,000 workers' comp plan. Now, in California, that's not all that crazy, um, but for their payroll and for their premium paid, it looks really, really expensive. However, once we told the story of that claim, the underwriter was actually okay with it, um, but had we not told the story, they would have seen this huge red flag. So it really is us listening to our clients, gathering that information and being able to tell that story. Yeah, well, I've, I've seen too, um, you know, loss is a reality. You know, claims are a reality uh, in our business. It, it, it happens uh, even to best-in-class businesses. But uh, the story, as you're saying, Jeremy, is so important because it, it, it sometimes isn't so much the fact that a loss, a large loss, they happened. It, it really is the story of, you know, what are the risk management practices that are there? Um, what were they doing prior to to help, you know, mitigate those kind of instances? And then, of course, we have customers, too, that the, the loss itself sort of awakens them to this idea that, hey, we need, to, we need to do better. And now here are the things that we've put in place since that accident or that, that claim happened. Those are the kinds of ideas I would think uh, speak very much to the underwriting process. They, they really are. And you hit on something too, kind of segueing a little bit away from the underwriter, but it is also the employer's mindset. So if they look at themselves and they've had a bad couple of years in regards to claims, if they're dealing with comp in California, their ex mod follows them around. Um, obviously in other states there's NCCI, but if they're looking at auto losses and they've had a lot, and so all of a sudden their expectation of who they are or what they can be almost becomes negative because they see their past history of losses as being who they are. And that's one of the things that we really try to do is, is listen to them and set proper expectations for them because Andy, even you said it, loss is expected. You know what I mean? We look at the way that underwriters look at loss Everybody has an expected loss ratio. There's one attached to class code. So we know that loss is expected, but it's how we get to that point to where we mitigate that loss and look at reducing the risk of that loss. Yeah. And, and you know, it sounds kind of obvious, and I am Captain Obvious on these podcasts especially, but given the fact that the reality of our business uh, prescribes or defines a certain expected loss, whether we're on the production side or the underwriting side or even the client experience, 
you tend to assess yourself as a best-in-class business, whether your losses are above what's expected for that industry or certainly below. And so what, what I think, in a nutshell, our desire is to help our businesses um, manage their risk in such a way that their losses are always below what's expected for that industry. That's, by yeah, definition, I think what best-in-class is. And I agree with you. And Taylor, you can attest to this. You've seen many, you've seen many clients to where they have no losses, but it's not because they're doing things right or they're best in class. It's because honestly, they're just getting lucky. Yeah, that, that's a great point. We, uh, we often ask prospects, are you lucky or are you good? <laughs> right? Because you go into a lot of businesses that haven't had claims in work comp, let's say. Um, and what you find out is they have no processes in place to define this for themselves, right? They're, they're not communicating any of this to their employees. They have no post-accident investigation, et cetera, et cetera. And really, they're just kind of banking on the fact that they've been lucky and they haven't had anything bad happen. Yeah, we we are trying to shift the mindset here in, in our area away from the way that safety used to be or losses used to be. You used to see the big signs, 185 days without a loss. And in my mind, that just means for 180 days, you've been covering up what incidents and accidents you've had. <laughs> right. um, as opposed to, we like to reward people for doing the things that help make them safer. And that is JSAs, job site inspections, accident investigations from a prompt perspective if an incident happens. It's, it's those type of things that we want to look as, as rewarding as opposed to we've had so many days without a loss because I don't think, and Taylor, I, I would hope you would agree with me, I don't think that that's necessarily a reflection of how safe you truly are. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, really emphasizing the culture, uh, the culture that a company has from the leadership down, and understanding what their attitude is toward risk. Do they understand the risks that they face? And then when they understand it, you know, are they, do they have that skill of sort of either mitigating, preventing, or transferring that risk before they assume it? Yeah. So that actually, uh, it, I had this epiphany probably four or five months ago, and it, you said Captain Obvious earlier, Andy, and so this is going to be so obvious we may just want to delete it out of the podcast, but it's kind of what started <laughs> I live, I live for epiphanies and obvious. So yeah, let's just keep it in. Go for it. Tell us about that. So we have a client that, and they gave me permission to use their name. We have a client that we brought on. Um, I think we're going into our second renewal. So our second year, uh, it's nights pumping. And it's one that two of our producers, Josh Wall and Jason Mills worked really, really hard on to get. Um, we went into it and really started doing a lot of work for them from a safety perspective, from a, from a claims perspective, working with them on their internal policies, the whole shebang. Uh, we were sitting in a meeting four or five months ago and we have reduced their amount of open claims. In addition to that, we've reduced or we've increased their understanding of what is going on with their claims. And thirdly, we've increased their understanding to what's expected of them from a safety, not just program, but a safety culture. So I say that to say that we were sitting in this meeting um, and the owner said, wow, you guys are amazing. What you guys have done in a year and a half has been amazing. And a light bulb went on in my head and we have a very open relationship with them. And so I, I responded to her. I said, we are amazing. Mm -hmm. Our team is absolutely amazing. However, there are a lot of clients that we deal with that we provide the same services for, 
but because the client doesn't buy in like this client had, like Knights Pumping had, they don't experience the same success or the same positive forward feeling. And that was my epiphany. Yeah, we're, we're amazing. I have, I have people that, that work with me. Uh, Nicole Langoni, she's my workers' comp specialist. Tony Donez, he's my safety specialist. They provide amazing service. However, however, if the client isn't willing to, I guess, accept their services and then also realize that there's work on their part and set proper level of expectations, the client's experience won't be as great as it, as it could be. And so I know it sounds ridiculous, but I sat there and said, yeah, we are great. However, if you as the client do not buy into the process, you will not experience the same level of benefit that you could if you did it. That's a, that's a great point. It, it almost reminds me of a personal trainer, right? So, so you have a personal trainer standing over somebody who wants to improve. Um, it's up to that, to that person who wants to improve to do the actual work in some cases, right? They have to want it for themselves. The trainer right. can't want it for them. You know, uh, I'm always, uh, uh, I, well, whether I am or not, I think of myself as a wordsmith. Uh, you know, I shouldn't have said that, but uh, I think. But, but what's so interesting to me is that a lot of people on the outside of our industry looking in uh, think that we ask our customers and our prospects to buy insurance. And really, you just said what we really want them to do is to buy into the process, our process, what we're selling isn't so much the insurance contract, even though that's a part of what we do. What we're, what we're selling is our intellectual property. It's our ability to be an effective partner with really any business, you know, uh, for, for the industry groups that we tend to play in a lot. We call them practices here at Insurica. Mm-hmm. You know, we have invested years, years of careers mm-hmm. <laughs> into <laughs> these industry verticals to the, to the extent where, like in Bakersfield, um, our colleagues in Bakersfield are, are trusted members of the energy industry, of the ag industry, of the construction and transportation uh, industries that support those two you know, industries uh, in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. So in order to be that kind of a partner for an energy uh, risk or an ag risk or whatever, um, you know, is is consistent with with the industry with the economy of Central California. You have to know the industry in order to be an effective advisor. So, you know, Jeremy, talk a little bit uh, uh, about you know what does the process look like. Let's just say um, I uh, am visiting Bakersfield. I'm at a at a diner cafe, one of those great cafes that are that are in Bakersfield, and I strike up a conversation with somebody that uh, his or her company is, is an energy risk. But, but I really am, am not, at this point, describing that. I bring them into your office and sit them down and say, this is Jeremy, let's start a conversation about what it is we do. How does that process work, um, you know, in general uh, with, with you yeah. all? So honestly, it, for us, it's a, at least for me, I, I think it's probably because I'm a very simple person, uh, I have too many details and I get extremely overwhelmed. So I like to keep things simple, but it really just starts with listening. It really starts with us hearing what the client who we're sitting across the table from is telling us their pain points are. I can't tell you how many times that in my personal experience, or I've heard throughout the Insurco community that we have 
help the client and receive their business because we were able to identify pain points and then find solutions for those pain points. So that's, that's two things, right? So you have to be able to listen to identify, but if I can only find problems, but can't solve problems, that's, that's not a great help. They'll go somewhere else to find the solution. But for us, that's where it starts. I have a, um, a fleet and vehicle kind of service operations, um, account that I think we're about ready to get the BOR on. And really the reason why we are is they were only going to let us look at the captive segment initially when, when I approached them in July. Uh, but as we talked, I heard that they had two or three other issues. They had an HR issue. They had a safety issue. They had an audit issue from 22 years ago in the workers' comp arena that still was stuck in the owner's craw, and he could not let it go. And so as we started to look at those issues and bring solutions for those issues, all of a sudden they were agreeable to let us go away from just the captive market. Not that that's a bad market, but we just really didn't think it was a great fit for them. Um, And now it looks like we're going to get the BOR on that account. It's not about quoting insurance. It's about bringing solutions to our clients because we've heard what their pain points are and been able to address them. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you do mention the captive situation because, you know, I'm not a captive expert, but we have experts here at Insurica that I've done a lot of talking to. And, you know, I think uh, captives are sometimes things that businesses see as, um, I don't know, dare I say sexy, you know, it's very attractive. It's something they're interested in, but it makes sense when you're a best in class, especially type type business where you have a safety culture, you, you do manage your risk. You know, Jeremy, I, one of the things I heard you just say, and at least in my mind, was that, you know, through through conversations, through listening, through trying to understand, you know, the lens uh, that the business owner is, is looking through, you can identify several things. But, you, you know, I think it would be foolish for the business and for us as consultants uh, to say, hey, let's attack every single bit of this right now. I mean, uh, like any good program, don't you just sort of identify the vital few things that have to be addressed right now, get a plan going, work on those. And then, you know, in some cases, the other issues magically take care of themselves when you get the big, the big rocks in the, the bowl, you know, first, but uh, yeah. t- talk a little bit about how, you know, you're able to prioritize and, and understand kind of the vital few things that need to be addressed off front, off the top. Sure. So let me just say, first of all, I'm that guy with like three things in his, uh, in his email inbox, because if I have more than that, my brain just gets overwhelmed and I run, I want to run away and not ever work. So I do better in, in small lists. And so that's one of the things that we, that we focus on. We do a deep dive analytics for our clients. They have to, they have to fit certain criteria and not from a monetary perspective, but from an incident or accident perspective, because we need enough data points for the analytics to actually make sense. But we do a deep dive and I've had clients before where we come up with like 21 or 22 issues that they have. And if I sat down with you, Andy, and said, Hey, we have 21 issues we have to fix. At least I would say, I don't want to fix 21 issues. I have enough fires yeah. going on as a business owner, especially in California, um, to where I don't have time to fix 21 issues. However, if we say, hey, we have 21 issues, but you know what? We really need to fix these one or two, and here's why we need to fix these one or two, because we believe if we start to work on and fix these one or two, there will be a trickle-down effect to these other three or four. And guess what? If in a year we can knock out those first six or seven, we don't have 21 anymore. Now we have 14, yeah. and they're going to be way easier. So I, I can't deal with huge laundry list of stuff to do. Um, I'm not that talented. I do better with 
one, two, or three. And I think that, that most business owners, they don't want to deal with insurance, no. quote unquote, issues all day long. Yeah. I've not met one yet that thinks it's fun, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there is something inspirational about, uh, managing your business. And, you know, in, in these cases, these business owners, this is their life's work. This is their pride and joy. They want it to be the, the best it, it can possibly be. And, uh, I think what we're saying is, you know, at least as it comes to risk and, and risk, are, uh, you know, a lot of risk can't even be transferred to an insurance uh, contract. You, you just have to, mm-hmm. to, it's uninsurable, but that doesn't mean it's not important. You just address it through that. So it's what and we can do. Can I say something? Yes, please. S- sorry about that. Uh, Taylor, I, I kind of want to get your opinion on this. Um, it's not what we think we can bring to the table. I know I've been out to clients before or prospects to before, and I have a list of things that I think that we can bring to the table, but it's really truly bringing to the table, maybe not what we thought we could, but what the client needs. It's not only resetting the client's expectations, but our expectations of what we can do for them. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, <clears throat> it really starts with that listening that you mentioned. And a lot of times that listening uh, happens through a conversation Sometimes it happens through a formalized risk assessment, but you're absolutely right. We cannot just take a list of all of the loss control services we offer and throw them out there and say, hey, here's everything we can possibly do because the client, uh, especially when they're a prospect, they can't be put in a place where they have to determine um, what areas they have needs in. Now, they can help us understand that through conversations, um, but yeah, we can't just throw the whole menu of services out there and say, Hey, look, we, we can do these 47 things through our loss control department, because if you do 47 things, ultimately you do none. Right. What do you do when you're asked for that laundry list, Taylor? Cause I get asked for it. You get asked for like a services list. Yes. Yes, uh, I do. I'm trying to get people out of that mindset here in our area. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of the times what I would try and do is sort of direct that conversation to some pointed areas, Um, more of a risk assessment type of an approach where we would ask questions from five or six different areas from fleet management to work comp, contractual management, things like that, um, so that we could really try and identify what are those drivers of cost. The second thing is, and Jeremy, you're a work comp expert, Um, We do a lot of data analytics around uh, workers' compensation experience rating. And so we're able to tie back um, the direct financial impact of those claims um, that they've had in work comp. And I think when we do that for most prospects or clients, their eyes really open because they may not have realized that things like slips, trips, and falls might be costing them $130,000 in additional premium this year. And when we're able to quantify that, I think we're able to focus those loss control resources a lot better. It's a great point. Um, I just think a, a, a general mindset of the, of the uh, business community is, well, if you, know, if you don't have anybody with severe injuries that need surgery or, or heaven forbid, a death, you're, you're doing great on, on your work comp in like you just said, it's the it's the little things that happen frequently that that really um, I think hurt hurt a business worse than than even well, some some big big event. And honestly, those are that's a harder story to tell to an underwriter. If I have twenty little claims as opposed to 
one massive claim. The one massive claim can be explained. The 20 little claims to me as an underwriter just tells me you are not safe and you're just waiting for that one massive claim because you have these 20 little claims. Absolutely. Well, uh, as I knew it would, time has flown by. But before we get out of here, I always want to ask uh, Jeremy and Taylor sort of the golden question. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I hit the music to, to exit out of here? I want to say first, thank you guys for, for letting me be here. I, I really, really, really appreciate it. I do. Um, and just to keep it simple, because it, it speaks to me, I believe that our job as I don't even like to say insurance agents because I feel like it puts us in a box, but risk managers is, is to really just listen to the prospects and the clients that we deal with on a day in and day out basis and realize that each one is completely and totally different and they have needs. And our job is not only to identify those needs or those pain points, to, but to find solutions for them that are, that are specific to them and not just some generic template that we throw out at everybody. Very well said. Taylor, you're good to go. I'm good to go. That uh, I'm really passionate about this. I, I think ultimately what Jeremy's talking about, what we're talking about here today, is that concept of starting with risk instead of starting with insurance, right? Insurance is mm -hmm. one way that you can handle risk. It also happens to be the most expensive way. And that the insurance industry kind of has a problem that that's where most agents start. And we try and start a few steps before that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yep. can I quote your insurance? Yeah, that's that's not the first words out of our mouth. Our, our our mouth is, hey, let's get to know your business, and see how we can, um, you know, bring our expertise to the table and help you become best in class business. Well, as you can certainly see, uh, Jeremy Heron and our friends out in Bakersfield uh, are are true reflections of what it means to to be an insurican, and uh, they do their very best every day to deliver. Uh, great value, great intellectual property to the customers that we serve in Central California. We have a process, we have in, in industry expertise, and all of that adds up to help our business clients achieve best-in-class status. And, of course, enjoy all the benefits that go along with that. We appreciate everybody's listening today, and, and we look forward to seeing you on the next uh, You Podcast.